15 through 21. Just to remind you, if you have your Bible open, Paul has been talking about our, uh, the federal headship of Adam and how um, one man sinned and death came to all because all sinned. And now Paul's going to go into it in verses 15 and 17, a time of comparing and contrasting uh, the act of Adam and the results that it produced and the, uh, the, the gift of God in Jesus Christ and the results that that produces. And so let's begin verse 15. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's ask the Lord's blessing. Oh God, our Father in heaven, thank you for this word. Thank you for the Apostle Paul and the Holy Spirit who inspired him to write these words. But thank you so much um, for the truth of all that Christ has accomplished and all that is ours in him. And so, Father, give us ears to hear this morning, hearts to rejoice in what you've done for us in Jesus. We pray it in his name. Amen. The title of my message this morning is The Reign of Grace. The Reign of Grace. I'd like to ask you this morning, what is the narrative uh, by which you live your life? The, the narrative that sort of lies underneath the surface and forms the ways that you speak and think and, and act. Uh, and, and, and what is the narrative of your life, particularly in relationship to God? Uh, let me just use an illustration to explain what I mean. None of us lives simp- We don't just live our life. We think we do. But we, um, we're actually living our life according to a narrative or beliefs or experiences that are hidden in our heart. And again, I'll, I'll give you an illustration. I, I think I've, I've told you this before, but I remember the first time I bought a John Deere lawn tractor. I um, found one at a good, a good price. I decided to buy a John Deere because I was sick of buying the cheap MTD models, the Craftsman. I tried Craftsman. Um, that lasted about three years, and I was... I was just tired of messing with that, so I, um, a friend had recommended a John Deere, so I, I went and I found a used one, good price, and uh, picked it up and headed home. And on the way home, I was suddenly overwhelmed with a just crushing sense of guilt, so much so that I pulled off the road into a parking lot and with tears just started praying, Lord, um, what's going on? Tried to understand where the guilt was coming from. I, Joanne was happy with it. I mean, happy might be strong, but she was okay with the, uh, 
okay with the decision. It was a good tractor at a good price. I could afford it. Um, so why was I feeling so guilty? And I realized it was something I picked up on the farm. Uh, we didn't have John Deere tractors on the farm as a sort of a, a matter of principle. Uh, John Deere tractors cost more. My dad was very, very concerned about getting too much into debt. And I remember driving by um, when we'd go to Ravana to pick up hay every, every Monday. We would drive by a man that had every, brand, every piece of John Deere equipment sold. I mean, it looked like the dealership. And, um, and dad would shake his head every time we go by. And, um, and we would too. Uh, what a foolish man. And sure enough, when times got hard, that man went bankrupt. And, and uh, I just tucked a little note inside my head, my heart, a little 12-year-old boy that you know what? His sins found him out. Never buy a John Deere tractor because God will judge you. <laughs> and that was just a little narrative, secret narrative that was laying down there that was suddenly crushing me because of what I believed to be true. Well, what's the narrative that's driving your life? Now, the reason I ask those questions is because the Christian life is meant to be lived under the narrative of what God has accomplished for us in Jesus Christ. The Christian life is meant to be lived under the transforming narrative of God's grace. And so we'll look this morning at the reign of grace. Paul here in the end of chapter 5, he's concluding his discussion of justification. Started back at 321 and now at the end of chapter 5, he's coming to the conclusion Chapter 6, we'll move uh, forward and start talking about sanctification. And here at the end of the chapter, he's slowing down. You're going you're to see that he repeats himself. He uses comparison and contrast. Uh, Paul is doing everything in his power to impress upon us not simply the truth of the doctrine, but the incredible radical ramifications of the doctrine. So that we don't just understand it intellectually, but that we experience it in a transformative way. And to that end, Paul holds up in this text these two towering realities that uh, determine every person's identity and their destiny. And the, the two realities he holds up to compare and contrast are the trespass on the one hand and the free gift on the other hand. And your identity before God and your eternal destiny is determined by which of these realities defines your life. Uh, is it, is it the, the trespass of Adam or is it the free gift of God in Jesus Christ? So the trespass, of course, is the trespass of Adam's sin. In, in, in verses 12 through 14, Paul has explained that Adam was the head of humanity, and when Adam uh, fell into sin, um, Adam came under condemnation and came under death, and Adam's guilt and condemnation and death apply not only to him, but to all of his descendants. And so if you ask the question, why does everyone die? The answer is, at a, at a foundational level, because we're the children of Adam, of Adam and we uh, live under Adam's trespass. The greatest tragedy in the world is the trespass of, of Adam, our federal head. And the lives of, of every person that's born is, is defined by that failure and that fall. But praise God, that, that tragedy has been answered and conquered in Jesus Christ. 
by the free gift, the free gift being God's willingness and zeal to justify the ungodly by faith. That's the gift. God's willingness to set you free from your bondage to Adam's guilt and Adam's condemnation and to bring you into life and a kingdom of light in Jesus Christ as a free gift. Paul loves this word free gift. It's a free gift. It's by faith, not by what you've done. It's, it's what God gives to you when you hold out your hands and, says, Lord, and say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And God gives the free gift. And Paul is now going to compare and contrast those two realities, the, the trespass and the free gift. The free gift, he says, is not like the trespass. The free gift is not like the trespass. How are they different? Well, they're different in their roots and they're different in their results and in our response. So let's look at first, they're different in their roots. Uh, and I'm using this word just to mean that the, these two realities are, are fountains of uh, things that happen. They're, they're foundational things and, and there are, um, they each have consequences, inescapable consequences. Uh, and, and Paul points to that in verse 15. For if the many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. So let's just look at this, this thing that Paul calls the trespass. Um, when he uses that word trespass, Paul is highlighting the fact that Adam sinned willingly and knowingly against a clear, explicit command of Scripture. So in the Bible, you'll find different words used for sin. Sin, transgression, uh, iniquity, trespass. Sin uh, emphasizes the failure of our sins, that, that it's a falling short of the glory of God. Iniquity highlights the deviant nature of sin that it, it ought not to be. There's a moral stain that comes because of it. Trespass uh, captures the willful rebellion of it. The willful rebellion of sin. And that's the word that Paul uses to explain Adam's failure. Adam didn't stumble into sin. Adam chose it. He chose to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil with a full understanding that it was an explicit violation of God's command. He ate it with the full knowledge that God had said, the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. So God had laid down the law. God had, had shown him the results of violating the law. Adam knew all that, and Adam ate anyway. It, that's the trespass. It just, it just highlights the fact that the sentence of death was perfectly a just response. God was not overreacting when, when mankind fell in Adam's sin. Nobody can charge God with wrong. The Adam's failure, Adam's trespass has justly deserved the sentence that, that it has received. And not only for Adam, but for his descendants. And Adam's failure, his trespass, as I said, is the defining issue of our existence and the determinative reason for our dying, our bondage to death. That's what Paul is saying. But the free gift is not like the trespass. 
The free gift is wonderfully different. Paul says, for if, if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man abounded for many. So whereas the root of life under Adam is guilt, the root of life in Christ is grace. Where sin and guilt abounds in Adam, grace abounds all the more. Notice how the free gift is it's defined by grace, saturated by grace. Paul uses it, the word uh, several times here just to pound that point home. Grace is the unmerited love and favor and disposition of God towards you in Jesus Christ. All based upon what Christ has accomplished. It's God's free, loving, willing delight in you, His child. It, all, of, all of God's actions towards you as a, as a Christian flow from His grace, His abounding grace to you in Jesus Christ. Paul just hammers that home. It's all by the grace of God and the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ. So all, all, the, all the grace of God, friends, flows to you from the loving heart of the Father and the loving sacrifice of the Son, and that's meant to amaze us. That God would be so disposed towards you and towards me. It reminds me of that, that beautiful song, Oh Glorious Love. In my darkness, Jesus found me, touched my eyes and made me see, broke sin's chains that long had bound me, gave me life and liberty. Oh glorious love of Christ, my Lord divine, that made him stoop to save a soul like mine. Through all my days and then in heaven above, my song will silence never. I'll worship him forever and praise him for his glorious love. Some of you maybe remember, it's got to be at least 15 years ago, Rachel Van Dyke sang that song. We were still in the, in the school uh, after a sermon. Uh, and, uh, and if you remember, she was, she was singing that song and, and she just started to weep. And she couldn't keep singing. And that's a wonderful response to the gift of Jesus Christ, the gift of God to us in Jesus. What an amazing thing God has done for us. What an astonishing thing this free gift is. Whereas the guilt and the condemnation uh, that Adam deserved has brought all men under death, the power of all that Christ has deserved has come to us by the grace of God. And so there's a different result, secondly, verse 16. The free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. The contrast here, notice, is very clear. So you have judgment following one trespass, condemnation. Okay, that's one reality. The judgment of God following one trespass brings condemnation to all. But, second reality, the free gift following many trespasses brought justification Condemnation, right? So judgment, free gift, one trespass, many trespasses, condemnation, justification. Paul wants us just to see the, the abounding reality of God's grace to us. One sin brought judgment. He, he just says it again. That's the power of sin. That's the nature of the law, that if you break it in one place, you're guilty of all of it. That, 
This is the value of the glory of God, that one violation of God's expressed will, one, God, one violation of God's uh, his glory, his desire, his purpose, one violation, just one, justly brings condemnation. That's the power of sin. But grace has a greater power. The free gift following many trespasses brought justification. Have you ever considered the number of your sins? The number of your trespasses? Paul talks about many trespasses. How many sins do you commit? Let me just read a little um, illustration that one man wrote to help us try to get a sense of it. He says, uh, somewhere, he writes this, somewhere in that place just before dawn between sleep and consciousness, I found myself in a strange and bizarre room. Most of the features of the room have now dimmed from my memory, but blazed forever upon my soul is the wall that was covered with rows of card files like those in public libraries. But no library ever saw, ever saw such an expanse of files. They stretched hundreds of feet in both directions, disappearing at each end of the wall into a dark mist. I somehow understood that this strange room with its thousands of card files was an elaborate catalog of my life. Here were written the thoughts, words, and acts of my every moment, detailed in a way that no natural memory could ever match. I opened some files and read the cards, some brought joy and sweet memories, but most a sense of shame and regret so intense that I continually looked over my shoulder for fear someone was watching. Every internal and external act of my life was listed, from the seemingly mundane to the horrifying. Titles on the cards were ungodly books read, lies told, comfort never given, dirty jokes laughed at, hurtful things said to others, harm done to neighbors. The titles seemed endless. Things done in anger. Times parents were dishonored. Lies told. People laughed at. People gossiped about. Greedy acts. Dishonest acts. Worst of all were the titles relating to God. Acts of hypocrisy. Willful disobedience. Rank unbelief. Irreverence. Blasphemy. Sacrilege. Idolatry. Robbery. And many more. I came to a file marked lustful thoughts and acts and almost fainted from the nausea that suddenly filled me. I opened the drawer only an inch or so, not willing to test its length, and drew out a card. Its detailed contents sickened me. Surely this could not have been me, but it was. For every detail was now revived in my memory, and I was filled with revulsion of myself. They were all true, horribly true. What a mountain of sin in your life and my life. And yet Paul, you see, wants us to understand to the core of our being that no matter how many sins there are in your life, no matter what might be written in the catalog of your words and your thoughts and your deeds and all that you haven't done, that you should have done, and no matter all that, the free gift of God's grace brings justification. That's the astonishing thing. That at the end of all that catalog, all of it true, God says to those who've come to Jesus Christ in faith, just, innocent, no condemnation, sins all washed away, 
righteous in my sight, robed in the righteousness of Christ. So that means then, if God says that, you see, that means then that your life is no longer determined or defined by the catalog of your sin and failure, but must be determined by the catalog of Christ's victory, His glorious obedience and the sacrifice He offered to make us right with God. The narrative of your life is no longer a narrative of your, of your rebellion. It's a narrative of Christ's righteousness, His beautiful righteousness. That's the narrative of your life. And all the blessings of God that freely and abundantly flow to you because of it. The free gift is not like the trespass. Cranfield writes this, that one single misdeed should be answered by judgment. This is perfectly understandable. That the accumulated sins and guilt of all the ages should be answered by God's free gift. This is a, the miracle of miracles utterly beyond human understanding. What an amazing thing God has done for sinners, for great sinners like you and me in Jesus Christ. The gift is not like the trespass. Different root, different result, and a different reign, third point. Different reign. Paul says, verse 17, For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Right? He's just saying it over and over again. Through one man's trespass, death reigned. And that reign of death is not limited to physical death. It, it involves all the ways that the world is brought under bondage to corruption, as Paul says in chapter 8. All the, all the, the brokenness and fallenness of the world. And it's everywhere, inescapable. Every aspect of creation has been incredibly impacted by Adam's fall into sin. All the brokenness and failure and death that we see. Every relationship ravaged in some way by sin. Every heart bent by nature towards evil. Every ruler um, tempted to corruption from husband to a king. Right? Every son and daughter of Adam lives their life under this corrupting, decaying, perverse reality of the reign of death. But much more Death is not the final word. The reign of death has been broken. But much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through that one man, Jesus Christ. Don't miss that word abundance. Abundance. Abundance of grace. God's grace is not just in proportion to your sin, right? You sin this much, and God's grace matches that. It's not how it works. Uh, you sin this much, and God's grace just... It's abundant. Above the mountains of our sins, Matthew Andrews says, the flood of His mercy rises. God's goodness is not in proportion to your need. He's not measuring it out carefully. Okay, you need this much. Let's see if we can get there. It's not how God blesses you. Does anybody here have more than you need? Anybody? Yeah. How much more? Abundantly more. 
abundantly more. Why? Because you work hard? Because God has been good to you. Abundantly good to you. That's the way it is with God. And it's the way it is with salvation. The, the free gift, you see, doesn't just wash away our sin, and so we're, we're brought to this place of, of, of moral neutrality. It's not what it does. It, it washes away the stain of our sin and then buries us under the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. Robed completely with refulgent glory in the righteousness of of this one man, Jesus Christ. And, and it's the same with death. You see, the, the, the free gift doesn't just remove us from the reign of death. It transports us into a kingdom of life where we reign. It's not just that we don't die. We reign in life. That's what Paul says. We reign in life. You see, God has not just answered our dilemma in Jesus Christ, our death. He's demolished our dilemma in Jesus Christ. And so that believers have the, the assurance that we reign in life. That's what it means to belong to Jesus and to be in Jesus. Remember, He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. All authority and power have been given to Him. And because we are in Him by faith, we will reign with Him. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, don't you understand, you're going to judge angels. You're not going to be in heaven and you and angels sort of, you know, be your siblings. You're not siblings. You're siblings with Jesus. Angels are ministering servants. That's what the Bible says. There is glory that adheres to you as a child of God. There's honor that adheres to you as a child of God, all by this abundant grace that comes in the free gift. So by Adam's fall, we enter into the slavery and bondage of death, but by Christ's victory, we are made kings and queens, reigning with Jesus Christ in a new heaven and a new earth, where all death and grieving, mourning, crying, pain is gone forever wonderful comfort for us in this world of death. It's comfort as we think about our loved ones who are now in the presence of Jesus Christ. They reign in life. There's a glory that attaches to them, an honor that's given to them as the children of God that we can't even imagine in this life. Remember C.S. Lewis once said that if we could see someone in their glorified state, a Christian, we would be, we would be tempted to bow down and worship them. Just normal Joe here in this, in this, in this earth, but in his glorified state in the, in the presence of God, where he reigns with Jesus Christ. Well, our loved ones, friends, have already entered in. But we don't need to wait until we die to experience the, the, the blessings of the abundance of grace. By our union to Jesus Christ, by faith, we experience this blessed abundance in countless ways. Every sin, every sin forgiven. Every trial purposed in love. And every trial by God's ordaining sovereign will to yield glory to God and to be for our good. 
as hard as that is to believe and understand. It's true. Every day we live under the smiling face of God. Friends, we, did, we just need to, we need to believe it and experience it. That's what Paul is after. That we live under the smiling face of God. You know, one of the things I love, I don't talk, one of the things I love most about my wife is that she smiles at me for no reason. If, if I come into the house, she smiles. The other day I was walking to church to, uh, uh, just going to work, she was, or to get something, she was heading home after doing some practice, and we're just, we're just passing, and she smiles. Is that, uh, is that what your relationship with God is like? Is that how you, is that how you think about God? That when he comes to your mind, is that what you see? Is that how you feel? That in Jesus Christ, God smiles? There's grace, there's favor, there's love. Friends, that's the intended experience of the Christian life. That's why God gives the ironic benediction. It's what the ironic benediction means. When we say the Lord bless you and keep you, that's not me saying that. That's God saying it, right? God says, Aaron, speak this over the people. This is God saying, I bless you. I keep you. I, I've, I've turned my face towards you. My, my face is shining upon you. There's a smile. That's what Jesus Christ has purchased for you. For you. That's what's yours in him. Every day you live in abundant grace if you are in Christ. And where your sin and weakness abound, grace abounds all the more. Nothing will separate you from the loving smile of your heavenly Father. Friends, let that narrative be your life. Let that be the underlying story out of which you do your marriage and your work and your entertainment, your rest, whatever you do. Let that be the underlying story. Why do you do what you do? Because by faith in Jesus Christ, I've received a free gift where all the love and favor and kindness of God is on me every single day. And watch what God does in your life. Let's bow together in prayer. Oh God, our Father in heaven, um, I just thank you so much, Lord for the free gift that we've received in Jesus Christ, the free gift of justification, the free gift of, of all the grace of an infinite God poured out upon us in abounding measure. And Father, we, we want to experience it. We want to, Lord, taste and see that the Lord is good. We want to believe in grace, Lord, particularly in the, in the times when life is hard and our heart is breaking. We just, want to, we just want to taste of God that even though we don't understand what's going on and we don't know why this has happened, why our loved one was taken away from us, why the doctor said cancer, why our marriage is so hard. Oh God, I just pray that we would remember the free gift and in all the things that we don't know and don't understand, we know this, that God is for us and we understand this, that Jesus Christ died for us 
And that because of that, we reign. We will reign in life. And, and because of that, the smiling face of God is ours today and every day until we stand and see Jesus face to face. Oh God, please, let us know it and let it transform our life. In Jesus' name, amen.